0: A member of the Church at Pecan Creek. I want to take this moment to thank you for downloading and listening to the sermons of Pastor Trey Talley. I would also like to invite you to our grand opening service on Sunday, August 23rd at 10 a.m. at Pecan Creek Elementary School in Denton, Texas. For more information, visit our website at www.thechurchatpecancreek.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us, and God bless. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Maybe seated. Sure is. Gl- I am glad to be here. Hope you're glad as well. Looks like everything is coming together. We uh, did order a few more things to uh, that we saw we needed last time we were here. That we needed to to make it church here for us, and we made a list tonight. Just a few more little things that we're needing. Uh, But really coming together, our sound sounds awesome, our screen, everything is coming together. We have the curtains in place, the the kids area is coming to over there. Also, the school is letting us also have another room, which is really nice, just around the hallway for babies. And that will be air conditioned also in case we need that. Well, let's get started. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, and we only have, I believe, one more sermon left in the book of Ephesians. It's been a great study. Again, I love to go through a book in the Bible as we have done. Um, I get to go in depth and look at it word for word, verse for verse. Uh, paragraph by paragraph. You do as well. It's a great way to study God's Word, just going through it, looking at it, how it's written in context, looking at all the points, and uh, I know you've enjoyed that as well. I appreciate Andrew filling in for me last week. I preached a wonderful message. If you did not get a chance to hear it, uh, of course, you can go to now iTunes and type in the Church at Pecan Creek and you can hear that message as well. Uh, But we're approaching the end of Ephesians. As I stand here and kind of look it over, and it's been a wonderful journey. The first few chapters deal with doctrine, they deal with with giving, Paul is giving them information regarding who they are, they're by nature objects of God's wrath, what Christ has done to save them, God gets all the glory for that salvation, Uh, we're sealed, we covered that as well way back in the book of uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians that we are guaranteed this wonderful salvation because we've been sealed with God's promised Holy Spirit. We believed in that gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then around 3, uh, we make a change, or right after 3 there, there begins a change. First few chapters are dealing with knowledge and who we are and who God is, and then we see a sense of change happening right in the middle of the book, and it becomes practice. It becomes now that, yes, yes, Jesus has brought salvation. You have grace with God now. Grace, unmerited favor. There's nothing you've done to deserve it. It has been given to you through Jesus Christ. You have peace with God now, who you are as a believer, in this great mystery that has been revealed that we are now living in this time. And then it becomes, how should this affect me now? What is the practical parts of this? And we begin to see way back here in chapter 4, verse 1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And that really becomes kind of the theme through the rest of the book. It's now that, yes, you've been rescued. You are by nature objects of God's wrath. You are following Satan. You are following the course of this world. You are following your fleshly desires. But Christ has made you alive and you should change. There should be a significant change. You should walk differently now, not just in the way your physical feet move forward, but your lifestyle you should scream that something different has And there should be this change in character that we should not live like those around us. And it gets extremely practical over here in chapter 5. And Andrew covered, uh, starting at verse 22 last week, uh, regarding the Christian home, uh, wives and husbands. And I'm going to kind of pick up on that theme today, on the Christian home and what that looks like. But just to quickly review, uh, husbands, over here and starting in verse 22, in this kind of section that... That Andrew covered for us last week. Uh, the, the passage has to do with, with wives submitting to their husbands, husbands loving their wives, and all that is regarded there. And it, it's, it's a, honestly one of the most hated topics, one of the most hated chapters in the liberal uh, movements that are plaguing sometimes uh, our, our nation. That this passage is sometimes ripped out of context, saying Christianity is, is trying to subdue women, and that is not the case at all. When we read this in context, it is not that wives are submitting to all men everywhere, but they are only submitting to their husband, and this submission uh, is 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 unto the Lord. They are doing this out of obedience to Christ and the husbands. In the same section, though. Are commanded to love your wives, love their wives, verse 25, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, wives are called to obey their husbands as unto the Lord. This should be made easier, uh, though it is not a condition of submitting to God and to their husband by the husbands loving their wives as Christ loved his church and has given himself up for his church. Uh, Marriage is uh, easy. Someone once said, uh, as far as saying I do, staying married is hard, staying happily married is next to impossible unless you see marriage and how you, you treat your spouse as unto the Lord. So this is that section that Andrew covered last week. It is, it is how this looks like, how we walk, how we live. It's not just coming to church, going to work, going wherever else we go to do life, but it's also how we walk in our home how we live as a Christian in our home, that our marriages should be different, Uh, the way we parent also should be different than the rest of the world. And God has given us specific commands regarding the -the husband-the-wife relationship and the roles that we do have. And He's also given us specific directions on how children should be raised as well and how children should act in a Christian home. So we're going to look at that today. So turn with me over to chapter 6, if you're not there already. Ephesians chapter 6, not a lot of Scripture at the front of chapter 6 here that we're going to be covering, but we will be looking elsewhere. I'm just going to read verse 1 through 4. We'll stop there. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we begin here with a very short, very precise statement Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, He doesn't go into all the intricate details of how the children are to live and exactly what rules they are supposed to be following. He simply makes it easy on the children. Obey your parents. So that the parents are the ones that are supposed to be giving out the rules, disciplining, instructing them as well, and that they are supposed to follow their parents' lead on this. Um, To obey your parents is right, all right? We see that here. To disobey the parent is wrong. Uh, what does the Bible call it when we do wrong? Yes, it's that three-letter word. Once again, it is sin. And so we're, we have a clear command here that children are to obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So it's a, it's a really interesting thing that we see happening here. It is uh, that the children in a Christian home are obeying the parents, not just because they agree with their their parents, but they're doing it unto the Lord. And we see the same principle applied over here just earlier in chapter 5, that the wife is to submit and respect her husband, not because he is worthy of these things, but is unto the Lord. God has commanded such a thing. So they do so not because of the great, wonderful guy they married, but because they do it under the Lord. Also, we see that husbands are to love their wives not because they want to, not because they're just going to go do this right right now because there's nothing else to do, but we are supposed to do it because it's the act of obedience. It is unto the Lord. So each of these principles here, the way wives treat their husbands, the way husbands treat their wives is unto the Lord. But also here in the home, we see that the children also, what they are to do, how they are to respect and honor and obey their parents, it is also unto the Lord. So they do this because it is right. And they do this, they obey their parents, because it is unto the Lord. So to not obey a parent... Now, I I was always taught to obey my parent because if I did not my dad would lay into me, all right? And he had a paddle. If he couldn't reach the paddle, he had a belt. I got this after my kids the other day, not really to, to belt them or anything, but, but to show them what my dad would do. And I had my belt off, I was walking around the house, and my dad would fold his belt in half. Do you guys remember this? And he would push it together and then pop. You want to remember that sound? And it would send chills through my brother and I. And we just, we were, it was on, we knew it was on, and we were about to get true Real deal leather belt spankings across our behind, but uh, that sound of that belt folding and popping, you know. And but we feared my dad, and and I obeyed him. And honestly, this wasn't really taught to me as a child. I probably obeyed my parents more out of fear of that sound of the belt and the sound of that belt across my behind. There was a healthy fear for my dad, and I wanted to obey him, and I knew if I didn't, I would get punished, I would get disciplined. But in the Christian home, uh, the reason for obedience is even different. It's not just because there is a bell. It's not just because there is a paddle. It's not just because there is a timeout. It's not just because once you have teenagers that you're going to take their phone away. It's not just consequence-based or fear of that person-based, but in the Christian home, a Christian child should be honoring, respecting, obeying their parents because God has commanded them to do such a thing. So it brings it up high, uh, to a higher level. It's, it's amazing how this works. Uh, even, even marriages, uh, we, we stay married. Why? Not because one person deserves it or, or the other, but because it is unto God. We have covenanted with God. We stay married. We treat our spouses as we should because God has commanded us to, but also children here. Paul does not leave them out. God does not leave them out. He gives them a very specific word to obey your parents. And again, he doesn't go into lots and lots of details of all these things that children should be doing. He makes it really easy on them. You don't have to learn. You don't have to memorize everything that you're supposed to be doing. Just obey your parents. Just obey your parents. They are the ones that should be grounded in the knowledge of the Word. They're the ones that are teaching this. You should trust them. God has put them in a position of authority. Therefore, obey your parents. All right. Uh, as we move on, let me make a point here This submission is not natural. The sinful nature that we all have desires to be autonomous. We desire to be self-ruled. If we look at the first people God ever created, uh, this was the temptation that they fell for back even in the Garden of Eden. Uh, God gave them a rule, uh, do not eat of this one tree. And you, you think about, it's hard to even imagine, to even let our minds go there But how glorious it must have been to be in the presence of God, the the Garden of Eden, and how wonderful it was. We read the description, and it's just beautiful. Everything is taken care of for them. Just one tree, just don't eat of it. But Satan comes along and says, you know, did God really say that? And, And you will be like God if you just partake of this fruit. And he tempts them, and he tempts them at their very heart because they, even though God has given them everything, he told them that they could not do something. And this gets to right to the heart of who they are. And they desire to do this one thing that they cannot do. Many of you probably remember doing something like that when you're a kid, right? Your parent says, don't do this. And the moment they walk out of the room, there's something in you that rises up and wants to go do that one single thing. You could have anything in the house, any toy in the house, anything you could be doing, but something in your mind you want to go do that one thing because you were told you could not do that one thing. So there's something about our nature that desires to be autonomous. That means self-ruled, all right? Self-lawed, like a manual car or automatic transmission. Uh, Auto, and then the word namas at the end is law. But you want to be self-lawed, self-ruled. We want to make up our own rules, make up our own laws. And this starts very, 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 very young. Most of you have had children, may have children, be around children. If you're around children at all, you see this. Parents saying, no, come do this and the kid wanting to do his own thing. It is this desire to be self-ruled and not submit to authority that we have. We see this also here. I've kind of made this point already, but that husbands must love our wives because God commands it, okay? We, we don't have a choice in this matter. We should absolutely do so because God has commanded. Yes, we desire to. We should for all the right reasons, but there is even a reason higher than any feeling, than any emotion. It is because God, your creator, has commanded such a thing. Uh, wives must respect and submit to their husband because God has commanded it. We saw that in last week's message as well. And here, children must obey their parents because God has commanded it. And it is though, when we, see the, when we see last week's sermon here in, in chapter 5 and the, at the end and the beginning here of chapter 6, it is really interesting to, to study this and, and, and to read through this and, and to read different comments and different theologians on this, but it is really like God has to remind each of us, children, husbands, wives, to do what we naturally don't fulfill. Think about that just for a moment, okay? We, we have a natural tendency to not do these things, and God commands us to do these things, all right? Husbands are notorious. I'll raise my hand. as Number one, getting distracted with, with things could be positive things, okay? No, no negative hobby or habit or something, but it could be positive things, but, but neglecting to love my wife as I should. Uh, this is a natural tendency that we have. So God commands husbands. Husbands, don't get so busy. Don't dis- get so distracted. But you must love your wives. All right? There's a natural tendency that goes way back to, to where the wives, there's a natural tendency to, to be self-lawed, self rule but yet they're commanded to submit and respect their husband. But, but there's a natural tendency to, to disrespect that they have to fight as well. But also, children are commanded to obey because there's a natural tendency to not obey. So we see this with our own kids. If we were in charge of our children, which I hope you are, it's very rarely that you will have to say, hey, you have eaten enough celery, all right? Stop eating so much celery, okay? Or stop eating that raw spinach. You're going to eat the whole bag by itself. We don't have to make those rules. Why do we not make those rules? Because There's no desire there for them to do such a thing, right? But you do have to make the rules of hey, don't eat all that candy, don't eat all that sugar, because that is a desire they have. They want to, they have that craving inside of them. So here it is. We see this this with God as well. He has to tell us how to act because he knows our nature. He knows our our sinful flesh. He knows our habits. So so children are act like this. Wiser to act like this husbands are to act like this and if these instructions aren't given then then we wouldn't be in check so when i read these man i i am put in check every single time that god has commanded this i've got to be better at this so hopefully you're uh, you'll arrive at that too or think on these things uh quick question husband uh what do you do if you have a wife that is not respectful and submissive uh do you still love him And the answer would be, of course, as we begin to think about this, that our love for each other is not based on the person and whether they deserve it or they merit it or not, but it's based on the covenant with God and your obedience to God. So yes, you would. Uh, Next question, a wife, what do you do if you have a husband that doesn't love you as much as you desire to be loved? Do you still respect and submit to him? And as you think about that, yes you know you would why is that because you're not doing so because of his worth or what he he, he has done for you cuz that's the way the world looks at love. The world looks at it as you scratch my back, I scratch yours, and we, as long as you're putting uh, points in my love bank, and I'll put some back in your bank, and, and it, we, as long as we're keeping things even here, this love can keep growing. But the moment one of them stops, then the whole thing fades away. Well, I'm not going to love you or, or respect you or submit to you. I'm not going to love you because you're not doing this. To, and the whole thing begins to crumble. But in a Christian home, it's no matter what one of you are having a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad year, and you're not doing what you should be and not treating your spouse as you should, that you should still understand that before God, you are called to respect. You are called to love. So we keep these things in mind as we build our Christian home, as we build our marriages as well, and also as we teach our children that it's not just me you have wronged. And this is really important. I know with our kids, when they do something wrong, when they uh, get punishment and when they've done something clearly wrong, they've gone, gone against our commands. Felicia and I are quick to point out that you have broken my rules, but in breaking my rules, you have also broken God's command. We let them know, uh, know up front that this is not just me, Trey Talley, your dad, just the man in this room, but you have broken the command of God. You have sinned against him by breaking this rule. And it takes it to a much higher level. You have now appealed to the highest court in the land. You've gone straight to God. All right. so our families uh, should look different in the Christian home. Uh, Husbands should treat their wives differently in the Christian home than the rest of the world. Wives should treat their husbands differently than the rest of the world. And children should be obeying their parents because it is unto the Lord. They are doing so because God has commanded them to do such a thing. And as we look at this, as I've said, we realize we have weaknesses, each of us. Wives, Husbands, children, natural fleshly weaknesses, and God puts it out here, right here. You have these weaknesses, but you got to fight against them, fight against them, fight against them. All right, moving on to verse two honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. All right, how serious does God actually take children? Obeying their parents. Well, we have 10 commandments that God has given us, and one of those 10 commandments, think about this God who created, who spoke, and made the heavens and the earth, who created everything, created mankind, knows everything at once. He is omnipotent, knows all things, omniscient, knows all things. He is omnipotent, he's all powerful, but he's chosen these 10 and one of them is children. Honoring their parents. Really interesting, right? It's that important to God that children are to obey their parents. Look with me at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Here we see in verse 12 this commandment that Paul quotes over here in Ephesians. It says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, look how important this is. He puts it right here with these other commands. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Sometimes we refer to that as lying uh, against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And so we see these extremely serious things that we should not do, but honoring our father and mother is right here in the midst of these commandments. Now, if you could come up with 10 are the most perfect rules for the world to live by. Think about that. Uh, would this one be included? I think in our human nature, of course, we're not as smart as God and we're extremely limited, but very few of us would think of this as one of the top ten commandments. But God understood it as being so important that it is indeed included in the ten commandments. Of all the rules He could have made, this one He puts in, honor your Father And your mother. So the the reason being, and you can see this as, as it plays out, is that respect for authority does begin at home. And if the young people, if the children do not respect, do not honor the parent, there is actually no one else, no adult, no authority that they will respect. We see it's being played out all the time. You can watch TV, you can watch the news, you can interview people, and you will find that those that did not respect, did not honor their parents at home, go on to dishonor all sources of authority after they leave their home. But in the home, they are supposed to learn how to honor, learn how to respect, learn how to obey. We just came back from Arkansas this week. I was at a, a church camp there where I, where I do the youth ministry there for them. Uh, i 've been there actually forty years of my life been there every year i 've been born it 's a family camp that we go to but it 's so refreshing when I go down there uh, again you 're in the in the south and it 's arkansas and you 're kind of in the deep south and a lot of a lot of culture there, but a lot of strong Christian homes as well. But the things you hear like when I talk to a young man uh, and he replies back and he says yes sir and he says no sir and and it 's been it's been a while since I've heard that. You know, we're here in a, in a bigger area, and it's not taught as much. But I go there, and it's like, wow, these kids and their manners and their respect for authority. And even calling a kid out for doing something bad, you'll notice if it's a Christian home, he's been taught to honor his parents, it takes nothing. It's like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll stop doing that. There's, there's a difference there. And that's the difference there should be in a Christian home, that the children understand authority, they, it goes from their home. They understand adults are in a position of authority. They understand law enforcement people are in a position of authority, but it all starts back at the house. So this is extremely important. Also, we find as as uh, Israel began to neglect this and began to neglect teaching their, and instructing their children that there was massive repercussions of this later on. So it is an honoring, and the parents are supposed to, as we'll find here in just a moment, instruct their children as well. All right, should children always obey is one of the questions I put down. Uh, what about if you want to stay out? A young person might want to stay out later than they should. What if someone wanted to sneak off somewhere where they were not supposed to go, et cetera? Uh, you can think of a thousand different things. Should a child always obey? And the answer is yes, unless it is something where The parent has instructed a child to act in a sinful manner. And then, of course, uh, God's rules are higher than the parent's rules. All right, let's look at another passage before we go on from there. Turn over to the book of Proverbs, if you don't mind. The book of Proverbs. I have a few of these on the screen, but not all of them. So if you don't mind, turn there with me. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this. It says, The fear of the Lord... Is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we see this in this passage here in Proverbs that, that there is a comparison in, in the, on the subject that we're speaking of parents and children and obeying and listening and honoring. And it continues on. It says, Well, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, it says, Hear, my son, verse 8, your father's instruction and forsake not. Your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So the, the the writer of the Proverbs here is saying that that the son is to to not forsake his mother's teaching, that he is to listen to his father's instruction. And why? In verse nine. Because they're a graceful garland for our head and pendants for your neck. Okay, it's hard for us to, to picture that right now, exactly what that is or in our day. But this is, this is blessing. This is treasure, all right? It is a pendants around your neck. It is garland on your head. If you want to be victorious, if you want to win in life, if you want to be successful before, and before God and before man, that this is what they are supposed to do. That children are supposed to follow their father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Continue on. Verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Here is some great advice for parents to be giving to their children. How should we parent? This is a good example of it. So my son or my daughter, if sinners entice you, do not consent. All right? Sin is everywhere. Sinners are always enticing, trying to draw our children away. What are we supposed to tell them? Don't go with them. Don't consent. Don't be a willing party with this sin. Go the opposite way. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Okay, let us do something bad. Verse 12, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot amongst us. We will will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in. In the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Here we have a great example of what it means to be a Christian parent, Christian father, Christian mother that's calling out their child, letting them know listen, there is a course this world has that is bent on evil. We are surrounded by sin. We are surrounded by sinners. Just because these sinners ask you to come do something, partake of something, doesn't mean you go do it. You go the opposite way. We are to walk differently because we are believers, because we are Christians. Look at verse 15. We see the same theme throughout Ephesians. Once it began to get very practical, do not walk, all right? Or walk this way. Do not walk this way. And we see this here in 15. Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. We know that there is sin out there and sinners have a certain way of doing things and that we are to take our young people and try to steer them away from even going down this path, all right? Reject that. Why would you go with them? Their path, everything they're doing, leads straight down to Sheol. Do not do this. You are made, you are created for a higher purpose than this. You are to serve God, all right? So we call our young people to live in a different way. And young people are to realize, verse 8 and 9, that the father's instruction and the mother's teaching are great. They are treasures from God to honor them, to respect them. All right, turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, just a few pages over. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 through 23. Here we see again uh, parental instruction for the young person. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Very similar to what we just read. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. In other words, they're always there. That our parent parental instruction should be so good, should be so in line with God's word that our children should bind it with them. It should be a permanent part of who they are. That it should be in their heart. It should be around their neck always. Always a reminder of how they were brought up that should go on with them through life. Look at verse 22. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down. They will watch over you, and when you awake, they will talk with you. What is he talking about here in verse twenty-two? What is going on? What is he talking about? Is with them when they walk, uh, when they lie down, uh, when they awake, when and they even talk to them? What is this? This is the instruction from the parents that we are to do such a good job uh, as parents that our instruction should go with the young person throughout life, that we should instruct them in such a way that even though we are not around, our instruction still goes with them. Look at verse 22. He's calling out the children, calling out the young person and parents as well. So the young people, when they walk, uh, this instruction will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you, protection, because you're following these commands. You're following the instruction of your parents. And when you awake, they will talk with you, that they know the rules, the regulations, the discipline, the instruction, uh, the guidance that they have been given from godly parents so well that it, it's a conversation that is going on in their head. Should I do this? Should I not do this? So-and-so called, you know, they want me to go over here. Should I? Should I not? And this, the conversation, even though you're not even there, you have, you're in their head. Uh, because you've instructed them so well along the way that you're there with them, talking with them, even though you're not there personally. This is, this is awesome. Uh, verse 23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs are of discipline are the way of life. Uh, just a couple of quick questions. What does verse 21 say that you are to do with the parental commands and teachings? It's kind of like we, we saw earlier over there in Proverbs chapter 1, or around our neck, put them on you, right? So that children should honor their parents. They should not kick against the commands and instruction and discipline from their parents, but they should treasure it, bind it on your heart, put them around your neck. And what is the benefit in verse 22? That it guides you through life. Verse 23, that is a, is a lamp and a teaching and a light. It lights up the path. The, the, this verse in verse 23 has to do with, with a path that is dark as all of our paths are as we go through life. We really don't know which way we go and which way to turn, especially when we're young. There's so many temptations and so many roads to take, but that the instruction from the parents should be a light as they're walking in this dark world that lights up the course and the path in which they should go in life. So there's a lot, a lot here that parents are supposed to be doing. And the children are supposed to be listening to their parents as well. So in other words, be an active parent. Don't just leave this up to someone else to do. Don't leave it up to the school system. Don't even leave it up to us as a church. But you are the ones that are supposed to be actively teaching, instructing, and disciplining your children. All right, let's move quickly. Verse 4, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Once again, I see here a command that, uh, that God has given to us because we tend to do sometimes the opposite of this. But that fathers, and, and many of you have perhaps had a situation, seen a situation like this, I know we are all uh, tempted at some point to do this, to provoke your children to anger, but we're not supposed to. We know the lines with our children. We, we know when, how to do this, how not to do this, but we are not to provoke them to anger, but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, this is a heavy burden that is given to the Father here, that they are to be a primary, the primary one who is bringing them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So this is is not just, hey, I'm going to teach you how to run a great business so that you can be a great business person later on. That's good instruction as well. They might need to do something like this. But if you look closely, is instruction of the Lord. So this discipline that the parents are supposed to be giving to the child is a, is a discipline on how they should be living, but also this instruction of the Lord. What is that? Well, that is the doctrine. That is what these first few chapters in the book of Ephesians were. How can a child learn about God? Where is a child supposed to learn about God? Are they supposed to go to church one day a week and that's when the first time they've heard the name God, the first time they've heard the word Jesus all week long? It's not supposed to be that way. That we as parents, and and right here where the Father is called out specifically, is supposed to be the one that's instructing them in the Lord. Well, how do we do such a thing? Well, we rely on our primary source that we have from God. We rely on His Word and that we open the Word of God and we teach the Word of God. In our homes, and that this should be done on a regular basis, that it should not just be something that is done at church and that is it. The responsibility, as we look through the Bible, going all the way back to the beginning and looking at Deuteronomy as well, the commandments are given to Israel there, the, the, the parents are the ones that are primarily responsible for their children's spiritual well-being and what they know. If you rely on me to, to teach everything they need to know, then it will never get there. But think if you did something four, five, six days a week, 10, 15 minutes in the mornings before they go off to school, uh, before you go to bed, wherever you can fit it in, and you're getting God's word every single day and you're instructing your child every single day in the way of God, in the knowledge of God, then, oh, it's wonderful, wonderful. So, So think on that. If you're not doing something like that right now, parents, grandparents as well, I encourage you to think on doing this. If you want some suggestions, I have several great books I recommend for doing this. They're very easy. You open it up. There it is, a 10-minute devotion with your kids, and it's all done for you. You can just go read it, go through it, knock it out, all right? But if you're wanting to do something like that, I encourage you to do so. We are instructed by God to do such a thing. All right, uh, the last passage I'm going to read, you don't have to turn there with me, uh, is Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 24. We see a lot of similarities here as we're looking at this passage. We've just looked at it over here in Ephesians. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. We covered that. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. We've covered that. Love your wives, husbands wives. Submit to your husbands. Verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Again, we see this admonition to obey parents. Why? Not because they deserve it, not because you agree with them on everything, but it is right before God. It pleases the Lord. Verse 21 of Colossians chapter 3 says this Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So we are called out, fathers, parents here, over here in Ephesians and in Colossians, that fathers are to instruct, we are to discipline but we are not to do so to provoke them to anger. And if we do so, they can become discouraged. So that our instruction should be clear. It should be known by them. And we should not try to drive them to discouragement, but encourage them, educate them, teach them in an appropriate, correct way. Um, who loves their child the most? As we look at this, is it a parent who gives rules, boundaries, and punishment for breaking rules? Or is it a parent who lets their child, child or teen, make their own rules, set no boundaries, and never gives punishment for breaking rules? Think about that for a moment. I know all the parents, obviously, will pick one that, 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 that they believe is right. But I know as a child, it is hard to get your mind around that question and answer it correctly. We all grew up with, with parents who were the cool parents, or, you know, different parents, not our parents, of course, but other parents that were the cool parents, and you always wanted to be in that house because and everyone has an example of this, a sample of something like this, but you know, those parents let little Johnny get away with anything. He can go anywhere. He has no curfew. He can stay out so late. He can do all he wants to. He can play and do whatever he wants to do. And then, then we, perhaps, were in the home where the parents were like, no, this this, this. You go to bed at this time and these are the rules and you think, oh, if I could only be over there. I could do, man, I could do anything, everything. They have so much fun. But who loves their child the most? Well, the one that loves their child the most is the one who has rules. It is the one who puts boundaries because they love their child so much, they know what is right for them and they establish the boundaries. Go this far, don't go further. There's danger over here. Here is protection. And they put these walls around them to safely protect them. So we understand if we love our children, we do make rules, we do discipline and instruct them well. All right, so this this brings this section to a close as far as the Christian home. And next week, we're gonna be ending the last section of Ephesians chapter six, and uh, we'll move on from there. Let me pray, and I'll have Brian lead us in some worship as we reflect on these matters. God, thank you so much for being who you are that you have rescued us, you have saved us in our sin, and you get all the glory for it. But you have also instructed us on how we should walk. And it is not easy. The way that we're supposed to live, to think, to act, to behave, but then also not just in the world, but in our very homes, that we are called to love our wives in a greater way, that, that wives are called to respect their husbands in a greater way that children are even commanded to obey their parents as unto the Lord, and then that we together as moms and dads, as parents, uh, what are we supposed to do and how we are to instruct? We can't just put it on neutral, but that we are to be actively teaching, instructing, and discipling them and teaching them the ways that they should walk in and teaching them the Word of God. God, I pray that we would become better husbands, better wives, better Children, because we do so unto you, because you have commanded such a thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship Him, please.